It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect. And I'm Scott with Tom here on The Session. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Hey, I'm doing good. So today we're going to talk about pastor's wives. Now, lest it sound like we're meddling, we're not. But it takes me back to an episode of, and I remember you relating this to me, Tom, that they were talking to a pastor who had lost his job. Right. And the pastor's wife was stopped on the street and being asked, how's your husband doing? How's right. your husband? And nobody bothered to ask, how are you doing? Right. And that's so important because our wives are like the mama bear of the house. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you hurt her cub. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about right. Yeah. You're going to be uh, having an issue with her. But she feels so much of what her husband feels. That to, to do that and not consider where's the wife in this is really difficult. It's as if she is the caretaker and wanting to comfort her husband in loss, but at the same time, she has loss also. So we're going to dive into this today and into an article from Tom S. Rayner that I'll try to get posted for you at shinefmohio.com. And uh, remember, too, we are a podcast available to you at Breaker, Anchor, Google, Spotify, Radio Public. And I believe by now we should be on the podcast network at Shine FM Ohio. Wow. How so about that? We're, get, we're getting you out there. How about that? You're getting, you're getting out there. But before we dive into all that, and as we say in radio, much, much more, <laughs> we dive into God's Word. Well, and, and Scott, here's part of that much, much more. <laughs> Found in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think for the pastor, Scott, we've got to remember, as well as his wife, that even though they're giving, they still have a relationship with Jesus. And, and a relationship with each other that needs nurturing. Well, there that's an important point, too. Yeah, that's, You that's, just won some brownie points with some wives out there. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so the article we're going to talk about today, Seven Things Pastors' Wives Wish They Had Been Told Before... They became pastors' wives from Tom S. Rayner. Wow. Okay, so the goal today is seven. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Our Uh average is about one and a half. So we'll start with four. (laughs) (laughs) The neat thing about this article to me, Tom, is that that Tom Rayner didn't just sit down and say, hmm, what kind of things should I write about? Right. He actually went out and asked pastors' wives... And this is the result of what he, they said to him. He considered them. Yes. As an important part of the ministry team. And that's an important thing to consider. It is. So we dive into this first one. The responses to Tom when he asked, what, what did these wives wish they had been told before they became pastor's wives? 
The first one, I wish someone had told me just to be myself. Well, yeah. Otherwise, if like if you're a people-pleasing wife, that you really like to please people. So you go into this congregation and you're wanting to please all these people. Well, again, if we think about in past shows when we talked about the emotional bank account, each time they are trying to please somebody else, they're making a debit in their account, they're writing a check or withdrawal. Well, where is the deposit that's ever gonna happen there? So these wives, bless their heart, have been trying to please others but at their own expense. So, you know, I just recently was hearing about a pastor and his wife who burned out. And it wasn't just the pastor burned out. Right. It was his wife as well. I cannot imagine being the spouse of a pastor and being shy. Yeah. Or being an introvert like I am. I I don't know how you would do it. Because, and we're going to get into it later with the whole glass house Right, and every move you make being scrutinized. Right. Did I hear you right? What? You're an introvert? Oh, yeah. On the radio? Oh, yeah. Oh, that probably helps you. I, I am an introvert, and I am shy. So I threw you a curveball for a rabbit hole for <laughs> once. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. My favorite thing, Tom, put me in the studio, leave me alone. God has given me a gift to make magic. Okay. Take me out in public. Uh-huh. The, the most nervous I ever get right. is doing a concert night or some kind of a public appearance. Okay. Because I never know what to say. Right. I'm, I'm supposed to be able to turn a phrase like that. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm not geared that way. I'd rather crawl off in the corner and let you do it. Well, I, I believe you. And next time you have to MC something, holler and, and we'll, call, we'll team tag them. We'll tag <laughs> team them or whatever. Yeah, we, we, but we we got through it okay on the seventh, so we're we're okay. Okay, for a start. Right. Okay, so number two in Tom Rainer's seven things pastors' wives wish they had been told before they became pastors' wives. I gotta take a big breath before I say that. Yeah. I wish someone had prepared me to deal with criticism of my husband and me. Yeah, it's the negative experiences. It's the conflict in relation to her husband in area of ministry. And they have to regularly take that. There are some who think it's their godly calling to be able to say to the pastor, that was really a good sermon, except point number three could have been done, tweaked this way or that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so here's here's another thought along the same line. It's not a bad idea after church to say to the pastor, great sermon. But how about saying to the wife, hey, your husband... Really had a great sermon this morning. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You want to be careful, she might pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure there's a, a soft surface nearby. Uh, yeah, where she could land. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's, you know, something to be said occasionally positively to the wife, too, because I think the, the point made here, my husband and me. Right. You know, I don't know that, that spouses really will re- expect that they're going to be criticized too and lumped in with the pastor. You know, you forget sometimes, you know, you hear those little gossip sessions in the hallway. Right. And they forget that it's the pastor's spouse standing right there with them. And then they have, you have the awkward silence moment and everybody rushes off to other rooms. That's true. And so what happens then with the conflict, with the criticism, 
and the negative experiences, it built up a sense of resentment if it's not dealt with. This isn't an expectation of the wives as much as it is reaching out to them and caring about the fact that they face that. And it was folks like Gary Smalley that said this, that our wives feel things three to five times greater than we do. Now, whether you're a pastor or not, you might want to take note there. Three to five times greater. So here, if there's a negative experience, there's a criticism for your husband who's a pastor, you're likely feeling it three to five times greater than your husband. So that makes it even more difficult, but it also makes it a higher priority or, boy, it's important to recognize that. And that, that kind of goes back to a think before you speak. What an amazing idea. I got to think about that you one, gotta Write that one down. <laughs> How about read the email again before you hit send Oh, and then and delete it? There's a great idea. Read the tweet before you push send. What a great idea that is. My wife encourages me to do that all the time anyway for grammar <laughs> errors. And, honey, did you see how you spelled that word? Well, you don't have autocorrect? Oh, yeah. I guess I do. To, <laughs> yeah, your wife. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kathy is autocorrect. Number three in Tom Rainer's seven things pastor's wives wish they had been told before they became pastor's wives. I wish someone had reminded me that my husband is human. That's right. So he's also the spiritual leader of his family and of his marriage. So if that's the case, that he was supposed to take care of her, he's not God, but he is put on almost a, a high He's not a Superman. Yeah. And so where does he get to rest? Where does he get to relax? That goes back to that emotional bank account again. Both of them have one. Right. And so he's making some withdrawals also oh serious withdrawals and then if she's making withdrawals too they come together and now you've got two empty bank accounts trying to create something that's not there they get delusioned at first to find out that indeed your husband's really human just another man like everybody else was it uh paul brown or woody hayes that said they put their pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else yeah yep they draw from the same air that we do they're human. Even Woody Hayes? Whoa. Tom, that's blasphemy in our <laughs> state country. <laughs> that's right. Oh, boy. Number four. Yes. I wish someone had told me that others were watching us. In other words, the glass house syndrome. This includes the kids, I would think. That, again, is really under a microscope. I, they had to learn not to pay much attention to that. I, I like the comment in here. We don't need to be controlled by what they expect of us. Yeah. And so let's focus on what our family is about. But again, if, if your husband, the pastor in his family is human. Oh, Scott, this is our shadow. Oh, my. But so are the children. <gasps> Say it ain't so, Tom. Yes. And, and the, the peer priority, the peer pressure at school of, yeah, you're a goody two-shoes. Or I was going to say, that's got to be amped up by about 300,000%. Yes. So what happens there? And so what do they feel? And so finally, some of them are like, okay, yeah, you think I'm a goody two-shoes? Watch this. The looking glass is, now we're seeing at Glass House, there's some things that aren't very good. Well, they're human. Yep. God loves them, and Jesus died for them just as much as for us. And it's a 
fallen and damaged world for them just like it is for those outside that glass house. Yeah. And it's okay if the pastor's family doesn't operate quite the same as your perfect world. Yes, that's right. Did, was I, did I say that too harshly? Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, that's good. I got three different email addresses I can give you now. I'm going to take a quick look down here, Tom. All right, let's talk about the pastor's kids for a minute. Okay. Rabbit hole. All right, let's do that. We're, since we're in the glass house, the kids seem to be right. At the, at the, they seem to be the ones at the front of the window waving at you and right. you know gesturing. Go ahead, mm-hmm. make my day. How can we minister to pastors' kids? Well, wouldn't it be nice if we took some of the pressure off of them? And exactly what that looks like or how that happens. Maybe we can normalize the fact that you know what you are human. And if I can get this out right, what's the greatest source of um, encouragement to you? What's your vision? What's your goal for talking to the the pastor's child? What motivates you in life? What's important to you in life? And that they focus on that which is their thoughts that that are theirs and not somebody else's. How do they feel about what's happening? How about the fact that they have beliefs? They have values. But what if it doesn't agree with mine? Shouldn't I make them conform? Oh, well, yeah, I see where, where you're coming from that. But when they begin to focus on where they are with those things, they're identifying who they are and what they are. So it really ought to be okay because then it impacts what they do. So when that's in Christ, when there's no biblical reason that they can, their thoughts are not sinful, that they are uh, godly, in their way, and how they are relating to God. And everybody's at a different place. Exactly. This the, this kid may be at this position spiritually, and this one is not. That's right. okay. That's true. And when you and I briefly touched the surface of introvert, introverts, it's also extroverts. And the pastor's children are going to fall in that category too. That's true. Yeah, so let's not lose sight of the fact that some of them may be more introverted and some might be more extroverted, so their needs are going to be different. And the way you handle them is different. So that's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. We're going over seven things pastors' wives wish they had been told before they became pastors' wives. It's an article by Tom S. Rayner, and the neat thing about this article is that it's seven things he found by surveying pastors' wives. This is their responses to his question. Number five, I wish someone had told me there are some really mean people in the church. Yeah. How sad is that? Isn't it, though? We had to learn not to pay too much attention to what they were doing and get down on ourselves. This shouldn't happen. Yeah. And you got to ask the question, why? What, what do you hope to gain by being the mean guy at church? Exactly. What, what does that generate for the kingdom? Unfortunately, in reality... It's interesting how the the church families tend to function similar to how their families function at home. So we have functional families <laughs> and we have dysfunctional families. families. Okay, so it winds up so that can kind of be a kind of a reflection. It's almost a mirror, right, rather than a window. So people tend to act in the body of Christ when things don't go their way probably typically like they would at home. Which gives you one more way to pray for that person. Exactly. Number six, I wish someone had told me how much my husband needs me to build him up. 
Mm-hmm. This goes right back to emotional bank accounts, and it's something, yeah, it's part of the married relationship. You want to build each other up, but, boy, so much more for the pastor who's getting it from the deacon, who's getting it from the elder, who's getting it from the one who doesn't like tulips in the front yard. Uh-huh. And what do you mean there's a cobweb? You need to fire that janitor. Oh, wait, it's your wife. Oh, yeah, whoopsie. <laughs> When we talk about the celebration of success, oh, oh, there we go. Have we ever talked about that before? You know what? I seem to remember the phrase a time <laughs> or two over the years. Yeah. Well, research would also say that one of the fastest ways to grow a marriage is to focus on the successful things and celebrate them. Because we've talked about it before, about how when you said, I do... You designated each other to be the closest person to you emotionally than anybody. So when you are husband and wife and you're in a ministry, for her to celebrate him also feeds his bank account. Right. However, we cannot lose sight of the wife here and who's feeding her Right. and helping pump her up. How does that celebration of success work for a pastor's spouse? What kind of things can we celebrate? I'm trying to get to how do, how can we feed into that spouse's bank account? Well, true. And probably one, Scott, is to say to her, well, your husband's suit and tie match today. <laughs> <laughs> because she probably laid it out. Exactly. <laughs> no, but ser- seriously, to acknowledge to her about the good things that are happening in the church, how about the fact that maybe their children came up to you and said, well, hello, Scott, you know, how are you doing? Or, and we're very kind and, and they were friendly. You think that the pastor's wife's going to want to know that? Yeah. They oh, are. yeah. So, I mean, those kinds of things we can acknowledge, the, the little things that are going to pump them up. If she gave any word or she wrote an email to the church, boy, was that an outstanding email. Yeah. How about the occasional email to the pastor's wife saying, hey, you know what? Things going well. I really liked what you did with this or said about that. Hey, the kids were great. Mm-hmm. Your husband did a great job with this. It doesn't have to be two dozen roses and a dinner at Red Lobster. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's husband's job. That's right. right. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. We've made it to number seven. Uh, amazing. And it's the same calendar day. We should celebrate. I know. Uh, Red Lobster it is. Um, <laughs> Sounds good to me. I wish someone had told me that my schedule will never be normal again. That's true. Wow. Yeah. And so your your husband will be very busy, and the wives know that. It was she wishes somebody had told her that, so she could be prepared. Yeah. To to know that when she's planned dinner at six thirty, and in, at six thirty the cricket rise for somebody, and he's not going to be there. The two a.m. phone call. Yes. You know, in the ministry that we are in, that has happened in my career. And I've had a, a policy I developed with my patients when they, they I, we talk about the possibility you might need to call me. And I said, if it's the middle of the night, just remember, you got to give me five minutes to remember who I am before I'm going to remember who you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, so it does become important. Or, you know, we're on the way to the airport to catch a flight, and I get a call. And bless my wife's heart, she is really good about listening to 
the fact that I, this is something I, you know, I've got to see if I can take care of this quickly and, you know, we're not going to miss the flight over it, but it's this time that she would probably had a list of things she wanted to talk to me about on the way to the airport and not all that list got done. Right. Is there somewhere, Tom, where a pastor and spouse can actually sit down and find these things out? Is there somebody that, I mean, like, is that something that you would do, sit down with a pastor and a spouse and say, okay, now you're about to go into this ministry, much like your mentor did with you in the yeah. early heritage days, right. to sit down and say, okay, now do you know what you're signing up for here? And we would be very happy to do that. And and one of the things that I think his seventh point there that, that we want to make sure we do is is to celebrate and acknowledge that the wife comes alongside of her husband in ministry. Right. And that's something I'll always be thankful for, Scott, is how God used my wife to come alongside me. And she is the quiet organization behind the scenes that makes it happen. And she's the one who is the details to her. She gets and understands. Oh, yeah. Now, see, now that's Sherry for me. Uh huh. When we were youth directors. Uh huh. I couldn't plan my way out of a wet paper bag. That's right. It's a challenge. No, but she could. Yeah. She wasn't always that strong at pulling it off. Right. But I could pull it off. Yeah. So we'd we'd plan a little bit, but she'd jump into the minutiae, and then I'd make sure it got done, <sighs> usually by the skin of my teeth, but it got done. I mean, I haven't been to seminary, so I'm really asking this out of ignorance. It's okay. Is there anything in seminary about the health of your spouse or the pastor's family or right. here's what to expect? Well, keep in mind, Scott, it's been hundreds of years since yeah, I, I was in seminary. Now, granted, when you went yeah. to seminary, they were still inventing the seminary. But. <laughs> That's true. Well, some of the neat things, too, I, I may have shared before, that we had one uh, a class where the pastor said we had to get our wives to sign off that we were dating her during the um, our, our seminary. During seminary time. Yeah. Yeah. And that we were prioritizing her. So she got to critique my date planning and then had to sign off on it. I, I think I passed. I was by the skin of my... <laughs> that would be terrifying for me. Yeah, because they did care about her. And so we had to be accountable to the fact that we were taking care of our wives. There's the word. There. That's the word I've been looking for that I couldn't think of all morning long. Thank you. Yes. Let's do it. The accountability partner for you and your spouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And should they and they should be separate people. That's right. And in particular, that's what the pastor over me, that was a big push for a lot of years was the accountability of me flying right, me taking care of my bride. Those things were all critically important. All right. Um, so this is a long list of stuff we went through and Tom, we got through it. Yes, we did. So Let's just go this route. If there is a, a pastor, pastor's spouse, and you've been listening to this to say, gee, I wish I had that person to talk to. Yes. Let's just say that maybe Tom can help you with that. How can I get a hold of you to chat? Well, I can be reached at 419-526-5523. And the number at the office in Ashland is? 419-496-0007. 
I got my Earl Grey down before we got through that one. Well, I saw you drinking your tea, Scott. I didn't want to throw you for a loop there and see you wear that tea the rest of the day. I was just making sure I got through it. Yeah, that's Online, right. Online, Tom, is at HCC Ashland and HCC Mansfield.com.